I'm excited to turn on my fire and cuddle under a fuzzy blanket with my two cats, Max and Hondel. I've been waiting to get the cats on this podcast, so I found it. <laughs> She's Miss Wheat. She's Miss Arbuckle. And this is the CPS Teach Chicago podcast. Hi, everyone. Hello. Before we start, just a friendly reminder that we're about to get into part two of our conversation on trauma. If you haven't yet listened to part one, we recommend you hit the pause button on this episode and do that first. Okay, here's part two. Welcome back to part two of our conversation all about trauma. Today is a very exciting day on our podcast because we have our first panel interview. So we're just going to take a moment to go around and introduce ourselves before we jump into some pretty serious talk, but really great learning today. So I will go ahead and pass it along to Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi. It's great to be here. My name is Laura Ferdinand. I am the curriculum coordinator at Spry Elementary School. So I mostly work with teachers, but before that, I taught first, third, and fourth grade. And now you, Michelle? Thanks, Keisha. My name is Michelle Velez. I'm a third grade math teacher at Jose de Diego in the Humble Park community. I'm also a math instructional coach there. And I've been working with Laura in the Teacher Advisory Council. Um, So glad to be here. Thank you, guys. And we're fortunate enough that we have Tanisha back with us again for part two on trauma. And today she'll be telling us more about the Healing Centered Project. Hey, everybody. So Tanisha joins her again from the Office of Social and Emotional Learning. I'm the Behavior Health Specialist there. And I'm just going to jump right into the Healing Centered Project. The Healing Center Project has been a collaborative effort between Chicago Public Schools and our wonderful partners at Chicago Beyond. Uh, We started this journey last year and we really, you know, began to have this conversation about where are we as a district and where do we want to go? And so thinking back to the five-year vision for Dr. Jackson, the amazing equity work from our equity office, uh, we really began this journey with Chicago Beyond to think about how can we transform Chicago public schools into a trauma-engaged, culturally responsive district. And through that goal, we created the Healing Center Project. And so as a district, we wanted to think about what were the frameworks that were happening around the country as it pertained to creating this place and space of healing. So we convened a number of stakeholder groups, a number of internal cross-departmental working groups to, to do that. We looked at frameworks from all across the country, and we just decided to take pieces from those to really develop a framework that would custom fit Chicago public schools. And so from that process, we came up with the framework for the Healing Center Project. And what that looks like is we have five main categories that we wanted to focus on. And surrounding those main categories is this idea of equity, really prioritizing equity and making sure that equity is in the forefront of all of the decisions that we make as a district. The five key categories include education and awareness, resources, not only money, but people and programming, a crisis support, pre and post, that is, culture and climate, skills and strategies. So with those five main categories, 
and embodying equity around those five main categories, we really had to think about, well, who are the stakeholders and who are our key groups? And so as a uh, working group, we wanted this framework to support families, communities, and caregivers, our students, making sure that our students are also um, becoming agents of their own healing and wellness, our schools as a place for healing for our students, but also thinking about our staff. What is it that our staff need um, to promote their health and wellness? So here it is a year before COVID-19, we were already thinking about creating this space of healing. COVID-19 happened and it really kind of validated this work. Like we now more than ever have to create a place and space for healing for this district. And I am just so proud and excited of all the amazing work that has happened in this collaborative effort across the district. And even beyond the district, we've pulled in community partner, community agencies, our sister's agencies, City of Chicago, the Department of Public Health, just a number of folks who have come to the table to really help us build this robust framework. You guys will hear much more about this framework in the coming weeks and surely in the coming year as we continue to roll out uh, different phases of this framework. But one of the things that I find myself extremely proud of is our work around teachers and what does this look like for how do we support teachers in becoming trauma engaged and trauma responsive? So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Laura and Michelle to give you guys some information about the work that we've been doing to support our teachers. And I think it's just great, Tanisha, that you connected that this work, no matter what is happening around us, is important work, whether COVID-19 or if that wasn't even a thing. This is important work that we all need to be engaging in. And Laura and Michelle, I know that the two of you are in um, the Teacher Advisory Council, or we say TAC uh, for short. To start off our conversation, would one of you um, mind sharing with us what that is in case our listeners are not aware? I'll call on somebody. I'll do it. Laura. (laughs) Um, The Teacher Advisory Council, or TAC, is a council that has actually been established as a result of the leadership at CPS. Dr. Jackson really wanted to make sure that she was connecting with teachers and giving them opportunities to share the most important aspects of their work and how this district can best support them. So um, this all, you know, the Teacher Advisory Council, you apply for it. And then as you become a part of the Teacher Advisory Council, you get to pick a project that you're going to focus your attention on. And the projects can range from anything that your heart can desire. Um, And so last year, a group of us came together and we really wanted to focus on how to help teachers in schools all over CPS identify and understand how trauma has an impact on the students who walk through our classroom doors every day. And so that's the, that's the focus of our work. And kind of through that lens is how we came up with the project that we created. And then just, you know, by happenstance, but also perfect timing, it really aligned well with what the Office of Social Emotional Learning was already doing around the Healing Centered Project. So we got in contact with them. They're supporting our work. We're trying to figure out how, you know, make sure that there are ways that we're continuing to push this concept of supporting teachers in this work so that ultimately our students are the ones who are going to benefit from this. So that's kind of how it all transpired. I think that's really important, right? Because when we think about teachers, sometimes we know that we face trauma in the classrooms, but as teachers, we don't know what to do. 
right? We, we were like, this, the student is going through this experience. What exactly should I do in this moment? And sometimes we just choose to be quiet or just say, I'm here. And we don't know really what should we do in that moment? And so it's really refreshing to hear that there are teachers who are actually working on something that would help us in that process. So how exactly would like a regular classroom teacher engage with tech and the Healing Center Project? Um, I'll just share. I think that that's what we're working towards. That's sort of the the goal is that what we've worked on reaches the classroom teacher and every classroom teacher that needs it. These ideas don't remain on a shelf somewhere that we talk about. But I know for myself personally, like the work on the ground is my heart for what we're doing, right? So let's make sure that the things we're talking about that are so good are actually being implemented on the ground. I think like for me, I just wanted to share... I only signed up for teacher advisory council or like interviewed for this very purpose. It wasn't like I came and then kind of like saw the things that people were working on. Like I had one aim and it was let's address trauma in the classroom. And that's the only thing I want to work on Um, because I am a teacher who has, you know, for many years uh, had many students who've experienced all sorts of levels of trauma without any sort of training or any sort of guidance on what do I do when, how do I respond when, and I would say the first five years of my, t- my own teaching practice has been learning on my own. And so I think it's just there's a need that teachers are experiencing things in the classroom that affect students' learning, right? And so we're teachers, and our job is to make sure that they learn, right? But it turns out that our job is to also make sure that they heal so that they can learn. And I've, and I, I just feel really passionate about it because I have seen amazing transformation in my own work with even just one child and see them off to the races after their third grade year, only because there was a focus and an attention on what they needed because of the trauma that they had experienced. If I can expand on that too, I completely agree with Michelle. And I think in the work that I do with teachers, I immediately notice a teacher who's engaged in this work and who is sensitive to it versus a teacher who is either just unfamiliar with it or is resisting it. And I think that it's a feel that you get when you walk into a classroom, you know, a classroom back in the day. And hopefully someday soon. But it's more than just a philosophy of teaching. It's a cultivation of what kids need. And when teachers resist it or when teachers do not acknowledge it, then it makes the relationship that much more complicated. It makes the learning almost impossible. And it's like you're trying to climb a mountain and there's no way to the top. You know, when we think about the the people who are in the TAC project, we all want to empower teachers to feel like they recognize it, they understand it, and that they're willing to take that first step. And it's not like you fix the problem overnight. It's not like everything is just hunky-dory after you know, reading one article or watching one YouTube video, but it's the starting process and then continuing to support that work throughout a person's career. You know what? Thanks guys so much for sharing. That reminds me of when we were um, first kind of piecing together, like what could this work look like, right? We, we spent a lot of time, you know, discussing trauma-engaged, trauma-sensitive, right? And so one of the conversations that I vividly remember when we were talking about, you know, trauma, 
And we were like, we really want this project to move beyond the trauma, right? Because we know that beyond the trauma, no matter what that incident or several incidents the student may have experienced, no matter what those things are, it's about creating that space of healing, right? It is about prioritizing the healing. And so we're not as a district looking for teachers to like, oh, that's trauma. I know exactly what that is, right? But regardless of whatever the trauma is that the student has experienced or showing up with and whatever traumas you as a educator are showing up with, that there is a place and a space for healing for both you as an educator and for the students as well. And so when I saw the work from the tech, I was like, oh my God, this so aligns with the work of the Healing Center Project because it wasn't about, you know, teachers diagnosing students. It it wasn't about, you know, teachers prioritizing again or ranking students trauma, but it really was about how do we equip teachers with just some skills, the just what do I do? What should I even look for? And more than anything, how do I always create this culture and this space regardless of the traumas that my students are experiencing? Mm one of the things that I think really kind of touched and moved me as the TAC presented to the Healing Center Project Working Group. I think now would be a great time to take a break and appreciate some teachers. You're listening to the CPS Teach Chicago podcast. is brought to you by Miss Slaylova. She's a great teacher because she makes learning easy and fun. She always offers you help and is never afraid to help you bring your grade up. She is one of my favorite teachers I've had. I want to shout out Miss Gibson at Randolph Elementary who teaches fourth grade because she helped me get on grade level with my reading. This episode is brought to you by Mr. Laredo, a great teacher who has taught me so much. He believes in all of his students, is fair, and never fails to make class fun. I'm so lucky to have class with him. I want to shout out Miss Henton, who teaches fifth grade now. She helped me stay on track with my math and become a better mathematician. Mr. Haft is one of the best teachers I've ever had. He always makes everything very easy, clear, and fun, and he seems to really care about his students and the information he's giving them. He is a valuable addition to our school environment, and I hope he stays a teacher for a long time. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I got out of this conversation a lot is that what we know is at the end of the day, people always talk about student outcomes, right? What what do these test scores look like at the end of the year? And then we say, meet kids where they are. We have educators meet them where they are. But usually when the conversation happens, it's about meeting them where they are academically. But before we can reach a child academically, we need to make sure that their needs are taken care of, right? That they are nurtured and that doesn't just include the brain. That's the heart, right? The, the, the whole person. And so sometimes meeting a student where they are says sit down and have a conversation and say, how are you? What's going on? Right. And giving that child a space to actually be able to talk about what's going on, because the possibility is they aren't performing academically because emotionally they're distraught because something else is going on that 
prevents them from even hearing this lesson. It doesn't matter how great of a teacher you are. You know, if the student has something else going on and we don't address it, those outcomes at the end of the year won't look the way we need to anyway. And so a lot of times I've heard, you know, teachers say, I don't have time for that, right? Even with, with SEL, right? We know that we have a social emotional curriculum. SEL should be taught every day. And yet teachers will oftentimes say if something's going on, that's what they're going to take out of the day. And so we have to learn that that is something that we need to make sure is in the day in the same way that you're teaching reading and math. You need to make sure that social emotional time is stamped into your day. It doesn't come out because there's everything else, because that may be the one thing that creates the biggest difference in that child's life moving forward. Go ahead, Michelle. I'm going to add to that. Kisa. just I agree. And I think that that this is happening across the district. And that was sort of what we felt as a tack too. And that we need to do a better job of measuring that sort of progress, right? Like that teachers are taking the time to build relationships and that there is growth that is, is not necessarily an NWEA score and that it is really important work. And so that's sort of like the aim too is like, how can we start to, again, see the whole child and the teacher's whole work, right? And then measure progress for the teacher and the student based on the whole child's progress versus just an academic score, which I'm all about academic scores. I, I think they're important and I love them. But I sometimes want people to notice that, um, you know, the one student's five-point growth means a lot more than the other student's 10-point growth because of the things that we've had to do to get there. And I think that, you know, as we continue to think about COVID and and how we we come back from this, um, I was just having a team meeting with our primary team the other day, and we were talking about how, yeah, we want kids to be engaging in the learning every single day, but we also know that there is some stuff going on at home and in their communities that are so difficult for them to wrap their heads around as young people, that that's our first job. And that as educators in CPS, we are constantly flexibly changing our approach so that we're meeting the needs of our students in a way that I don't think is true everywhere. And I think when you're in an environment where kids are coming to you with multiple different um, experiences and with multiple different backgrounds, um, we have to be flexible and we have to recognize that it's not just a robot entering our classroom every day, whether that's online or in person, but it's a human being who has needs. And so as we think about, you know, our teachers at my school were putting so much pressure on themselves to be like the best online teacher that has ever graced the screen. And they were breaking and their kids were breaking and everything was falling apart. And so it comes back to the human level of how do we take care of each other? How do we show up for each other? And how do we do that in a way that honors the fact that the learning won't happen if the if that first need isn't met? And we've all been there. We've all had those days where we have just hit a wall and emotionally there is nothing left. And if that happens to educators. You can only imagine what's happening to the students who are in front of us who have, like you said, so many things going on in their own lives and are expected to show up every day 
sit down, do their work, engage. But how can we build in time to make sure that we are addressing those needs? And so I'm wondering when you are working through all of this with the um, Healing Centered Project, um, what does high quality trauma engaged teaching look like in your opinion? Sure, Katie, I can answer that. So we actually, we spent, we spent months coming up with um, some sort of document or something, some sort of resource that teachers could use, but not just a resource, resource that sits in a, in a, on a bookshelf, but that they can put to work. And we came up with um, something we're calling guiding principles for the trauma-engaged teacher. And so these are just guiding principles that if a teacher who has a, a high level of trauma impact in their classroom, even a low level, right? There's there's all types of tools in here. And Laura can jump in if if she if I sort of mess it up here, but we kind of had five areas that we focused on. And it's that the trauma-engaged teacher is well informed. So they know the research, they know the student, they know themselves, they know the community. Like they have to be a well-informed teacher. And that takes work and time. They have to be a relationship builder right? They, they have to be prioritize the, the relationship with the student. Um, we said that the trauma-engaged teacher cultivates a safe environment. We, this is one of those we think is like the most important. There are all types of tools that a teacher can do to cultivate a safe environment in their classroom. Um, that the trauma-engaged teacher provides equitable instruction. And that means all the way from planning, all the way through to assessment, and evaluating the data, like we have to have a mindset that equity is, is of the utmost importance. So am I considering the child who has, you know, had some trauma and I recognize that even developmentally because of the trauma, they're not there, right? Like, so what am I doing to support that child in the instruction that I give every day? And then also just that the trauma-engaged teacher reflects well. Um, reflects on themselves, reflects if their practice is working. I know Laura said earlier, flexibility. I just wanted to add, I think that, I don't know that teachers fully understand sometimes that they are the model for how this works. So I learned that, that the students are looking to how I respond to something hard that happens, right? And I want to be honest with them that I'm a person that has feelings. So if I respond in a way that isn't my best self, I'm going to tell them and then I'm going to apologize and then we're going to talk through it. And those are the things that then create that culture of like, this is what we do because whether we like it or not, the teacher is sort of the leader of that space and creates that for, you know, obviously collaboration with kids is super important, but they're looking to you to see what you, how you are going to respond. I know when, when things have gotten escalated in a classroom that I'm in, things that maybe required a room clear, those kids are looking at me more than they are looking at the, the thing that's happening. And they want to know how is Ms. Velez responding because I'm leaning into that. And if she's, you know, not calm tone, may, let them know, we're, you know, you're okay. It's incredibly nurturing, but <laughs> it's part of the work of the teaching job. So that's my spiel on that. <laughs> Yeah, 
I think a lot of it is, you know, there's some parts of this that feel very much intuitive, especially the longer you work with kids, the more you learn about kids, the more natural this is going to feel. But we wanted to also make sure that we're giving teachers practical tools that they can use. So these five principles won't just be like what Michelle was saying. They're not just going to sit on a shelf. It's here's how you can inform yourself. Here's how you can create a space that is nurturing for kids. Here's how you can make sure that you're providing instruction that's rigorous, but also reflective of what the students need. And so it's meant to be a toolkit in all circumstances um, so that teachers feel empowered to do that work. And the way that we're rolling it out is we created this document and now we're going to continue that work. So thinking about how can we create professional learning opportunities for teachers to get to know the document better, to get to know the resources better. And then ultimately, our goal is to create a trauma-engaged leader in every single school. So much like the MCL role, this would be a TCL role where a teacher is in a building, they have a classroom, they have relationship with the students in the school, they have a relationship with the teachers in the school, but they're the trauma expert. And so they get extra training from the OSEL. They get extra support and then they can push that out into their school community in a way that helps all teachers feel supported, even if they aren't in that TCL role. So this would help our brand new teachers. It would help our veteran teachers. It would help everybody. And it would also help schools that maybe haven't confronted this before. And, you know, we think about some schools in CPS that the COVID thing really threw everybody for a loop, but now we're all kind of on an even playing field of how do we recover from this and how do we make sure that we're having these conversations? And if your school wasn't having the conversations before, now's the time to start. This time to start was way a long time ago, but here's the perfect opportunity. <laughs> Laura, I love that idea of a TCL, right? A trauma classroom leader, because I know that there have been times where it's like, who do I go to when a student comes to me with the trauma, right? And you can go to your administrator, but if they're not trauma trained, they're kind of trying to thought process this with you. And the counselors, sometimes they're like, oh, okay, so we can figure this out. But everybody's kind of in shock all at the same time. And so having somebody in every building as that go-to point person for when these situations occur, even if it's maybe a little bit beyond the training that the teachers get from, you know, your guiding principles, then it's like, okay, but I know what my next stop is, as opposed to saying, I don't know. And then the conversation stops there. So I think that that is an amazing idea to kind of have that resource available for schools, especially in the age of COVID. And we know that even once we're back in the buildings, the trauma of COVID will still live. It will walk back in with us. Absolutely. And I think that the beauty of this whole thing, too, is that they stay school based. So we're not trying to yank people out of schools and give them a role that then makes them disconnected. It's that they stay in the community and they stay invested in the work. Um, and that you exactly like you said, like on your lunch break, if we ever have those again, we can just go and say, hey, can you help me with this problem? I'm really struggling with this and get a get a resource right away instead of having to wait or instead of having to feel nervous about that. 
And that teacher, too, understands the school community and the needs of that community because what my school needs will be very different from what another school needs. And I think that's important to keep in consideration, too, and play into those needs for each school. So I know that you also, you said that you're trying to find ways to get it, you know, into the schools, get teachers trained. Are there any additional, like, plans going for or, like, resources that teachers can access sooner than later? No is an acceptable answer. I'm just curious, you know, for the listener. We know it's a work in may, progress. Right. When the listener hears this and says, you know what, I need this because this is something that teachers actually need, right? A lot of times I think we get things and it's because it's just given to us. This is something that teachers will listen to and say, you know what, I need that resource, right? I'm going to go looking for that. And so I think that that part of your job is going to be easier, right? Because now this is something every teacher is like, I want that. And so... Is there anything, you know, now kind of in the works, you know, plans moving forward for what teachers can access to begin um, their trauma training? So um, <laughs> great question. <laughs> um, so as like the healing center project gets rolled out, right? We're just moving into our implementation phase, right? We have spent the whole last year really focusing on designing, developing what is this framework. We have had several conversations with senior leadership, Dr. Jackson, Chief McDay, um, and a ton of senior leadership um, around, you know, how to move this work forward. And so we're entering into our implementation phase of the project. And so um, one of the things that I I did not mention was the nine uh, key components of the Healing Center project. And this particular um, teacher one is is one of those nine. Um, So the nine initiatives of the Healing Center project um, are the comprehensive trauma training sequence, a healing environment, community partner network, number four, which is what the tag just, I mean, I mean, how lovely is this? This is creating that trauma-engaged teacher. Um, initiative five is family and caregiver support. Initiative six is wellness for all staff. Seven is healing center measurements. And eight is healing center policies. So we have those nine initiatives and we're moving into the implementation phase of them. Each of those initiatives has a lead and those leads are going to be responsible for really um, uh, parsing out how we will continue to engage, you know, beyond the working groups that we initially started with. So I say all of that to say um, this initiative number four is is absolutely an extreme priority for us. Um, and we will continue to kind of lay out what does that look like for teachers to join into and how to best support. What we want to make sure that we are, when we are engaging teachers, that we're engaging teachers in a meaningful way, right? We don't want just to say, hey, teachers, come on and give us your feedback. And we don't know how to process, how to analyze, how to use it. And so we really want to be intentional with how are we going to use teachers' voice um, in this project? Uh, when I present about the Healing Center Project, I always say this is the framework that is for the people by the people. And we want that initiative, like the rest of the project, to continue to be for the people by the people. So um, while I am not leading that initiative, I am very confident that that initiative will have a space for teachers to be engaged in the process because we really do want this to be um, teacher-led. Yeah, so that's kind of what we're working on right now is figuring out, okay, what's next? We have this guiding principles document. We have, um, we have passionate people who are really, really engaged and invested in this work. 
And how does that look in the short term? How does that look right now when teachers are exhausted by 3.30 because they've been on a screen all day? And then how does that look moving forward, getting teachers from all different parts of the city, from all different grade levels and content areas involved so that they can share their expertise and their learning with the whole group? Um, because what Michelle and I experience in an elementary school setting is different from what someone might experience in a high school setting. Well, I really appreciate the attention to understanding that every school building, every grade level has a unique and different perspective, and also that teachers are at the heart of this project. Because if teachers weren't the heart of this project, it wouldn't have the same passion behind it that I can hear from both Laura and Michelle. I can tell that this is something that is really important to both of you. Thank you for having us and just for hearing what's been on our hearts for a while and, and seeing it come to life is is really exciting. Like Tanisha said, just at a time when it is the most needed and cannot be ignored. And um, I just feel, I feel really good about even just CPS as a district acknowledging and, and putting in time and effort because we have to face it. And, and I believe that teachers can be exceptional teachers um, at every level for every student, uh, empowered and get the tools that we need to do that. Because I believe there are many, many teachers out there who want to. I completely agree. And I think um, I'm really proud to work in CPS because I think we're a district that faces our challenges. We don't shy away from them. The way that we're encouraged and empowered to do this work to fight for what we know our students need. I know that that's not true in every district and then that's not true everywhere. And I think we really have the opportunity to to model what this looks like on a large scale. It's a work in progress, but it's definitely work worth doing. This was not easy. Let me tell you, on behalf of the Office of Social and Emotional Learning, our executive director, Helen Antonopoulos, like, um, and our friends from Chicago Beyond, like when we started, we all were like, oh, okay, we're doing it. And, and now like, yo, we are doing it, right? Um, it is such a humbling experience, especially because we know that it's necessary. And I am so confident in the capacities of all of the educators across the city and their commitment to not only our students, but even to themselves and to colleagues in their buildings, right? And so I am so proud to be a part of this moment and a part of this opportunity. I think sometimes like, I don't even believe we're here, but here we are. And I'm so ready to see this vision really come to light and just really appreciative of our leadership to kind of create the place and space for us to do this. You're listening to the CPS Teach Chicago podcast. Hi, I'm Ellen, and I work in the CPS Talent Office. It's my job to help teacher candidates find a job in Chicago public schools. I'm here to tell you about the hiring experience in CPS, but I'm not a copywriter, so I thought we could try something else. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Ellen. So I'm trying to share what getting a job in CPS is like for prospective teachers out there. Okay. And I figure you know better than anybody since you were recently hired. I was wondering if you would be so kind to share your experiences with us. Definitely. So around this time, actually last year, I first received an email from you 
because you saw my um, resume and things online and you thought that I would be a great fit for Opportunity Schools. I had never heard of it, so I looked it up further for my conversation and I thought it'd be a great fit. I'm sure I got on your nerve. I emailed you all the time with questions and you always responded very quickly. You always assured me that I could reach out at any time. You always called even over the summer when I was having questions on next steps. I never felt like I was at a point where I don't know what's going on or I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing because you always jumped in. So where are you teaching now? I am currently at Avalon Park on the south side of Chicago, and I teach fourth and fifth grade literacy. And how's it going? It's great. I was nervous at first because I never taught fourth and fifth grade. I'd always taught middle school. So I was nervous to go to that upper primary level, but I love it. I love my school. I love my principal. I love my kids. It it honestly was a perfect fit. I am so glad it is going so well for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. No problem. And thank you for everything that you did for me. Interested in teaching for Chicago public schools? Real people like me are standing by to find the right school for you. Visit teach.cps.edu to learn more. All right, so to end our time together, I want us everyone take a breath in and out. And I want us to think, what is one thing that is going to bring you, you peace once we end this call today? And that goes for our listeners as well. I'll go and mine is going to be when I can close the computer and sit in the den and recline the chair up. And just turn on TV to watch something senseless, like nothing that has like anything that makes me think, but just something senseless that will make me laugh. That will bring me peace today. Um, I can go next uh, because mine is on the same line with you as Keisha and no judgment people. Um, I am in love with the Great Bake Show. I cannot bake to save my life. But it is something about that show that just makes me so happy and it brings me so much joy. So I'm watching the Great Bake Show. I love the ba- Great British Baking Show. It's the best. Um, but I'm all caught up, so I can't watch that tonight. Um, I think that what I would say brings me peace is I started a tradition of forcing myself to go outside every single day during the pandemic because otherwise I could just be stuck in here for days. Um, and so after this, I'm going to get out and I'm going to take a walk around my neighborhood and I'm going to listen to a podcast and I'm just going to decompress away from the screens. Uh, that's great. I, I agree with the walking outside. Uh, I I worked from home and it gets a little cramped. So I will probably take a respite outside. That's what they call it, right? <laughs> and actually cook a meal, which isn't something I do often, but I'm kind of amped to tonight. And I feel like some of that work takes the everyday work off of my mind. So looking forward to that too. Since it snowed, this morning. Did you guys see the snow? It was the hot news in first grade this morning. Um, I'm excited to turn on my fire and cuddle under a fuzzy blanket with my two cats, Max and Hondel. I've been waiting to get the cats on this podcast, so (laughs) found it. Season one of the Teach Chicago podcast is Keisha, Katie, Jennifer, and Colin. Special thanks to Laura Ferdinand, Michelle Valles, and Tynesha Joyner for joining us on this episode. Additional thanks to Helen Antonopoulos, Jean Sack, 
Tony Armour, Brian Thompson, and Lauren Secator for their help with putting together our trauma two-parter. We truly encourage you to visit cps.edu backslash tcpod to find links to all resources discussed in both of our episodes on trauma. Additional thanks to the students of Hamilton and Randolph Elementary for our teacher appreciation ad. Our bill for this episode comes from Jose de Diego Community Academy. Go Eagles! Additionally, if you're a teacher interested in teaching in Chicago Public Schools, visit teach.cps.edu to learn more. Do you have any questions or comments? Share them by emailing us at teachchicagopod.cps.edu. Feedback, of course, is always welcomed. Subscribe to the Teach Chicago podcast by hitting that small little subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. You can also take five minutes and leave us a review, which helps the show tremendously. Copyright 2020 Chicago Public Schools. We'll see you next time for a conversation on what's being done to help more CPS students become CPS teachers. Until then, teach Chicago.